This morning, we are starting a new three-week sermon series. If the last year has not kind of discombobulated us and kind of forced us to lose our ordinary way a little bit, um, so we're calling this GPS in the spirit of, like, take out your GPS and Siri, tell me where to go. In this case, um, three of the big ideas that God has for us to help us find our way in the world and his kingdom, both collectively and individually, are these three words, that he's given us spiritual gifts, that's the G, that he's given us passions and things that we're enthusiastic about, and that he uses our stories and life experience. And if, in a discerning way, you can locate where those three strands come together, then you are, your like feet are on solid ground walking the path of Jesus. So oftentimes, as we prepare for a message or hearing God's word, like we quiet down and reverently pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, we're not going to do that today because we've sung quite a bit to the Holy Spirit already. This message introduction is a little on the irreverent and goofy side and is meant with 100% irony. So I invite you to cast your eyes to the screen as we think about the spiritual gifts of a few of the employees of Elmhurst Christian Reformed Church. about to out the offerings from last Sunday's offering right here in the offering counting machine. It's amazing. This thing just counts right up. You just find right here. What? What are you doing? I'm counting the offerings from last Sunday in the counting machine. Super That's Pastor. That's not the counting machine. It's a shredder. Get out of here. What? Super Pastor, I will save the day. Super Pastor here, prepping for Sunday morning worship. Here's the lights. Super faster. idea that lurking underneath our ordinary Clark Kent disguises during the week were super pastors. Now that it's out in the open, you'll probably expect us to get far more done around Elmer's Christopher Home Church than we have been. True. Ac actually. Using our superpowers. Without my glasses, I can't even see the front row. <laughs> so, uh, the, the truth is, we do not have superpowers. We're just ordinary people, and we stink at all kinds of things, yep. right? Yep. Um, we're just normal, limited, average, yep. uh, run-of-the-mill kind of folks. But there's this weird clergy-laity divide in the church where somehow we've got pastors up on this pedestal, even up on this platform, right? It's almost a bad, bad like, visual. Right? And somehow it le leads lay people to believe that they really can't make a meaningful contribution to the kingdom. 
That somehow they're lesser than the pastors, which is totally not true. Have you found this to be true, Craig? This is totally true. One of the examples where I see this all the time is if there is an opening prayer that needs to be offered or a closing prayer that needs to be offered. Even with my own siblings, they're like, hey, you're a professional Christian. (laughs) Why don't you pray for dinner for us? Right? Like, we have no special prayer powers. Our prayers do not get answered any more quickly. We do not have a special place at God's side where what we say has a direct line. According to Ephesians chapter 4, we do have a specific job description, though. Pastors are meant to equip the people of God. That's what being a pastor is all about. Not get everything done on our own, but equipping you all as the people of God. What does it mean to equip? Equipping means to empower you guys, to prepare you, to get you ready for acts of service, to help mend broken places so that you can get over the obstacles that are between you and what God wants you to do, and to strengthen you for the journey ahead. We are not the only people with job descriptions. In fact, everyone who follows Jesus has a job description. Yeah, so while it was fun while it lasted, I mean, it was great to pretend like we were superheroes for at least a few minutes. It was. But it's probably not really going to stay, right? I'm going to take off your cape, dude. Throw it aside. You can, take, can you take off my cape? Probably have to return back to our normal, normal lives. Yeah. And get my regular old preaching shirt on again. You go back to your, I don't know, whatever you do during the sermon. All right. I... <laughs> is, is, the, is the coffee shop open? Uh, I get my shirt buttoned up. Is it messed up? Oh, man. I've never really tried to dress in front of the congregation before. You can, this just, this just, re, this just re, re, uh, you know, reinforces that I'm not a super pastor, right? Watching me try to put my shirt on. All right. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we need your power. We need your presence to get the job done that you've given us to do. Clearly, we, in our human limitedness, don't have what it takes. But you, Spirit, want to empower us so that we can get the work done you've given us to do. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Do you know one of the most unspoken questions asked by Christians? Do I have a part to play, a contribution to make to God's work in the world? It's reinforced all the time, this super pastor thing. I was at a Christian school not too long ago, and I was walking through the halls. It's a newer building, and there's a bulletin board, the bulletin board of fame. And there's 40 names in the bulletin board and pictures, and every name, every picture was a professional Christian. A pastor, a missionary, or someone like that, they graduated from that school. Now, that school's been around for a long time. I'm sure thousands of people have graduated who never became pastors. Are they really just not on the wall of fame? How did the school even get built? Seriously, did the pastors provide the money? Probably not, right? The businessmen did. The lawyers, the people out there. So this, this whole idea of superfest gets reinforced all the time. The Bible does not agree with this. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. According to this verse, we, all of us together, are the body of Christ, the masterpiece of God, created to do these good works, to get on the mission of God, to carry out the good things that God planned for us 
long ago. In addition, you are God's masterpiece. No one can play your part. If you don't play your part, it won't get done in the kingdom, period. The, the work of God will be missing a piece. Actually, author Eric Reese calls this your kingdom purpose. He talks about it like this. Your specific contribution to the body of Christ within your generation that causes you to totally depend on God and authentically display his love toward others. Isn't it crazy to think that God brought together, long ago in his mind, this group of people for such a time as this, in this location, this place, to carry out his work right here? Isn't it crazy to think that God brought you as a unique part of this group of people to do the unique thing that God called you and empowered you to do? But many people that I run into are totally confused about why they're here, what they were created to do. They're more confused about the unique work that God has for them. So we're going to be digging into this, this GPS thing, and today we're talking about the gifts, which actually are the spiritual gifts that God gives us in order to empower us to get on this mission that he's started. There's lots of places to talk about spiritual gifts in the Bible. One of those is 1 Corinthians 12. I like how the message puts it. Look at this. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. So I love this. Paul says we all get to be part of it. We all get the Spirit of God. We all get to do these ministries everywhere. right? And we get to put God on display by using these gifts that he's given us. So what exactly is a spiritual gift? Well, here's a definition I like. A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively in word or deed for the purpose of strengthening someone else's faith. Now let's just break this down. It's not a natural ability. I tell you right now, Michael Jordan, we call him a gifted basketball player. Guess what? He's not a Holy Spirit gifted basketball player. No such thing. He's got the natural ability to play basketball. It's a super amazing natural ability. Way more than mine. But he's not spiritually gifted. A spiritual gift, when it's put on display, no non-Christian could ever duplicate it, no matter how hard they try. He couldn't do it. So Paul says in Corinthians, we get to put God on display through these spiritual gifts. Now, a recent Barna survey revealed that two-thirds of people in the church actually know what spiritual gifts are, but the same two-thirds have no idea how to apply spiritual gifts to their everyday lives. Whoa! So really, the church of Jesus is operating not on all cylinders. Because unless all of you are participating in the work that God's given us to do, we're missing crucial pieces in the work that's going on in this community, in this area. Now, another question that maybe comes to your mind, why in the world does God give these spiritual gifts? Well, let me take you on a little biblical journey. Since we were made in God's image, knit together in our mother's wombs, Woven into the fabric of our lives are natural abilities, right? Some people are good at sports. Some people are good at music. Some people are more creative. Some people are more organized, right? We all have these natural abilities. Uh, it's interesting. Some churches actually pray into this. My daughters, uh, Lena and my son, Benjamin, went to a church in, near Taylor University 
that prayed over them for their original design and spoke words over them as to how God designed them when they were created in their mother's wombs. It was super encouraging prayer for them to come out with this list of stuff that the Holy Spirit revealed about their natural abilities. It was really cool. That's your original design. Now, what's the purpose of these natural gifts? Well, the purpose of these is to carry out the original mandate that was given to us in the Garden of Eden. You know what it is, right? Here it is. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves in the ground. These were our original marching orders. This is our invitation to co-create, co-rule with God. Theologians have titled this co-creating, co-ruling, ordering work as the cultural mandate. The cultural mandate is about creating things of value that add to the flourishing of the world in every corner of culture. To do this, we use our natural abilities, right? Now, God started this garden project and invited us to co-create with him. It's part of our calling. But of course, as you know, the whole thing went south, right? Sin entered the picture. The world got broken. The co-creation got messed up. We became even limited in using our natural abilities to do good things. Our hearts got darkened. And so, of course, the only hope we had was this Jesus being sent who eventually rises from the grave and something new begins, a new garden project. It's called the church, right? It's a movement of people transformed by the resurrection power of Jesus and his grace. And now we have a new co-creation project. You know what it is? To heal the world and to be on the mission of God, reestablishing his reign and rule, his kingdom on planet Earth. Guess what? You can't do that with natural abilities only. That requires supernatural power. To establish the kingdom of God and heal the world can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we just use our natural gifts, we're not going to get the job done. Some of my most significant encounters with people that are spiritually gifted have come through intercessors. Intercessors are uh, amazing people to have around. They're spiritually gifted in prayer. They hear from the Lord. They literally wake up in the middle of the night. I know intercessors that wake up at four in the morning and they don't just turn over and go back to sleep. They literally get up out of bed and th- God's calling me to pray right now. And they get up and they pray for hours. It's incredible. It's nuts. I could never do it. But they're spiritually gifted to do it. One of the intercessors that I knew years ago, her name was Nancy. She was blind from birth. She couldn't see a thing. But she saw all kinds of things in a different realm. She would pray for me. She prayed for our new church plant in Wheaton, Illinois. Me and a friend had started this church. We were co-pastors in this church plant. And we didn't always get along. In fact, sometimes we'd get into these heated arguments in these meetings. And we'd go home from those meetings. So one night we had a church meeting. We had a pretty big disagreement. And when Kevin got home to his house, the phone rang. Nancy, by the way, lived in Wisconsin. She was nowhere near the meeting. She said to Kevin, Kevin, knock it off. He said, what are you talking about? Knock it off, Kevin. I know what's going on. The Spirit of God told me you guys are fighting. You need to knock it off. This church is a gift from God. You guys are going to muck it up. Knock it off. Kevin got off the phone, he called me, he goes, Klein, you can't believe it. Somebody's watching us. <laughs> okay? That's a spiritual gift. It's a supernatural ability. It's above and beyond what anything that Nancy could do on her own, right? It was amazing. 
So these are the spiritual gifts God gives us to build his kingdom, to be on his mission in the world. They're supernatural abilities. They're not natural things. Now, how do you get a spiritual gift? Well, good news for you. Ephesians 1.13 says this about you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So this verse tells you that when you received Jesus, when you took him in, the Holy Spirit came with and brought spiritual gifts into your life. So whether you know it or not, if you follow Jesus and have received Jesus, you have at least one spiritual gift lurking inside. One supernatural ability that what, either you know what it is and have already unlocked it and started using it, or it's just laying dormant in there, waiting to be unpacked, waiting to be opened. Make sense? Every person who's a Christian has one of these, at least one. Now, if you're not a Christian, I'm sorry to tell you, you don't have a spiritual gift. Until you receive Jesus and his resurrection power, the Spirit of God doesn't enter your life in the same way, and you don't get these spiritual gifts. Okay? So again, no non-Christian can ever duplicate what a Christian can do through his spiritual gifts. Spiritual reality will leak through your life when you move in your spiritual giftedness. Supernatural power of God released from the church. Does the Bible give us a list of spiritual gifts? Well, check this slide out. Here's some of the passages in the New Testament talk about spiritual gifts. You can see there that there's a lot of different ones here. Some of these are word gifts. You speak them out. Some of these are deed gifts. You do them. Right? Some of them are kind of ordinary. You could look at that and go, oh, I know what administration is. That makes total sense. I know what that is. I know how that looks. Some of them are supernatural charismatic gifts, like speaking in tongues or, you know, Words of knowledge. What? What's that? What's that all about? Now here's the thing. There's this weird belief in the church that somehow when the book of Acts ended, the Holy Spirit like took a little vacation and all these, some of these gifts left the church. I'm going to tell you that's totally not true. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. These gifts he gave the church are still quite active today. It's just a matter of us trusting the Holy Spirit and leaning into these gifts and not being afraid of what the Holy Spirit might do that's out of our control. I mean, let's face it. We like to be in control, right? I like to be in control. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit does things, we're not in control. It's just a supernatural manifestation that goes on in the room and we can't control it. But it's God, through you, doing his work, building his kingdom, healing the world, doing amazing things, through these spiritual gifts. Now these lists are not meant to be exhaustive. In fact, all through the Old Testament, people do stuff by the power of the Spirit. Samson, remember Samson? It said the Spirit of the Lord came on him and he took the jawbone of a donkey and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. Or the Spirit of the Lord came on him and he split the ropes like they were flax. Right? Or the prophet Jeremiah he speaks by the power of the Spirit. He gets messages from God and he speaks those words out to the world. In, in Exodus chapter 31, God wants to build the tabernacle. He gifts two people to do this. Look at, here's one of them. Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every 
craft. Wow. I live with a person like this. <laughs> Seriously. My wife is probably naturally gifted, but she's also supernaturally gifted at making beauty, creating beauty. It's weird how God seems to align those things sometimes. Your natural giftedness and your spiritual giftedness, sometimes they're right aligned together. But when the spirit gets involved, things begin to happen in the world that are way beyond your ability, way beyond your power, way beyond my power, right? Way beyond my super pastor abilities. Now, how do you go about discovering your spiritual gifts? Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can take an inventory, an assessment. They're all over the online. I think we're going to put one up, actually, during this series. Um, there's going to be one up online you can take and go through. And you answer questions about yourself, and it gives you an assessment of what they think your spiritual gifts might be. It's a good way to at least get started. I can tell you that's only the beginning, because the only way to discover your spiritual gift is to try to use it. Do something. Not sitting in your chair and take an assessment, but actually get out of your chair and try something. To see if the Spirit of God comes around that. Now, I can tell you, I remember the first time I discovered a spiritual gift. It was totally accidental. It was an assignment uh, from seminary to go into my classes, which is all these pastors and elders from all these churches, and preach a three to four minute sermon to them. Can you imagine how dreadful this is? You're going to have all these pastors sitting there analyzing you and all these elders, and i got to get up in front of these people. And, and I had already told my seminary buddies... I'm not a preacher. I mean, I'm never going to be a preacher. I'm a youth pastor guy. I don't, you know, preaching, I'm not really good with English. I and mean, it's true. Back in this day, I was a hockey player. So I could say, like, I could grunt and stuff, right? But using English language and reading and writing stuff, that wasn't so easy for me. So I had to get in front of these pastors. And, I, and there were six of us on the list that day, and I was the sixth one to go. So the other five guys go. They preach in front of the thing. I think we had to preach, like, three or four-minute introduction. Then it was my turn. I got up, and I spoke for my three to four minutes, and I can tell you it was really weird because something happened in that room that was way above that 24-year-old kid who was standing up front talking. And I wasn't the only one that recognized it. I had several pastors approach me afterwards and say to me, you're anointed by God to speak his word. I'm like, I'm what? You're anointed by God. Did you, did you feel what happened when you were speaking? You need to lean into this. This is a gift of the Spirit. Now, this is exactly how you find your gifts. You exercise your gifts, and the community of Christ helps you discover whether it's true or not that you have that gift. They affirm it, or they go, you know, that's not really your gift. Like, if you saw me playing the piano a minute ago, so just imagine me leading worship, right? That would be amazing. <laughs> not, not, not amazing, right? Not my gift. You know, it's amazing. Pastor Greg has that gift. It's amazing. I, I love to have that gift. I don't have that gift. Not my thing. Right? So, so you lean into it. You get up and you do something. Sometimes it's even accidental. You know, I'm going to be honest. I didn't always, I didn't want to preach that day. After that day, God began to send me to camps all over the place to speak. I didn't always want to go. I was afraid at some of these camps. They were big camps where other big speakers had been. I was just a little tiny speaker. And God said, I want you to go there and do this. And I, I, I said yes. And God did amazing things. Again, above and beyond anything I could figure out. This could happen for all of you. You're no different than me, right? You just step into your gift and start to use it, and God begins to unpack and, un and reveal to you what this gift looks like. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the GPS technology was developed by the military. They really developed it so they could locate their troops and the enemy's troops, and they could sort of outmaneuver them on the battlefield. 
When other countries began to realize that we had this technology, they began to find a way around it, and they would jam our signal so we couldn't see the GPS. It makes sense, right? So that we could not maneuver them. I would say that the enemy of God has several jamming signals that he puts out to keep the church from leaning into these spiritual gifts. The first one is this one. The jungles of Africa jammer. <laughs> it's the one that keeps people from... People are like, I don't want to discover my gift because God might send me to the jungles of Africa. Right? So I'm just going to sit here in my seat and be comfortable and not discover any gifts because if I discover my gift, all of a sudden I'm going to be doing some crazy stuff. I don't, want any, I don't even want to know. I just want to stay in my comfortable little life. See, that, that particular jammer takes, does not take into account that God's going to align your passions with your gift and you're going to end up doing something that's like a great adventure for you. Not a miserable thing you're dragging your feet through. Right? God doesn't want to do that to you. Here's the second one. The second jammer is this one. I don't have anything to offer, jammer. I'm just a little old me, underdog. <laughs> right? I have nothing to offer. You know, it's funny. When I was uh, coaching Little League back in the day, you would always hide the kid who couldn't really play in right field. You know this? You'd put him in right field, and you'd hope the ball would never go to right field. And he'd be out in right field just taking up space, and, you know, you'd hope the ball never got there, and then he'd come in. So then I moved to travel coaching, travel baseball, and we needed a right fielder. I put a kid in right field, and he's like, Coach, what the heck? He thought I was saying he was no good. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. The right fielder's the most important position on the whole field. It has to have the best arm. It's got to be the best thing. No, no, not little league, Coach. See, like, we all have the right field syndrome. We all think we're the right fielder in the kingdom. But you're not. Right? Your spiritual gift, your contribution, your unique way of doing things is exactly what God needs to make this beautiful masterpiece come alive on the mission of God. So don't buy that jammer. Don't sit around and tell me you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. Yes, you do. The last jammer is this one. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. This is a big one for us, right? We are busy people. We don't have a whole lot of availability or time to get out and get on the mission of God. Part of it is we think that this is like a separate thing, like we have to make special time for it. What if while you were going on your everyday, wherever you go to work, school, whatever, what if while you were already going, you just asked the Lord to use your spiritual gifts to build his kingdom in the world as you went? What if it wasn't about being busy? What if it was just about leaning into those things and going that way? And trusting that the Spirit of God is with you everywhere. Like Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 12, everywhere you go, the Spirit of God is there with you, ministering, building the kingdom, healing the world. Now, can you imagine Christmas time at your house? You know, your grandma comes in with this gift that she's spent hours going out to pick out on your behalf, especially because she thought of you and she wanted to get this for you. And she went to the store and got it. And she wrapped it up in this beautiful package. She made it all perfect. And then she presented it to you on Christmas in front of your whole family. And you were like, Grandma, I'm not, I'm not going to open that. What do you mean you're not going to open it? I, I'm not going to open that. I don't, I don't really want to open that, Grandma. How would Grandma feel? She'd be like, what are you talking about? You're going to open that gift. You're opening that gift. She probably, my grandma would be like, you're opening that gift. Um, I feel, like, I feel like for a lot of us in the church, this is what God's done. He's made these gifts. He's planted them inside you. And you're just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to open those. I'm not going to even try. 
I'm just going to keep hanging out with God and doing my thing. You know, don't bug me too much. Man, you know what Jesus said about us? Look at this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father. What? How can this be? Jesus was a master teacher. He was a great leader. He was a miracle worker. How can we do greater things than Jesus? Well, the tense is wrong in that. Jesus still is a master teacher. Jesus still is an amazing leader. Jesus still is a miracle worker. And guess how he's doing it? Through all of us. He's put his power in us and he's released us into the world. Imagine, Jesus' body was trapped in Palestine, just one place. He could only minister to those few, few hundred thousand people. Now he sent people filled with his spirit all over the world in every corner and crevice of the world to carry out his restoring, healing, redemptive work in the world. That is greater than the Jesus that could walk the earth and do on his own. The problem with the American church today is we're just not that mobilized. We define ourselves too much by sitting in seats, sitting in Bible studies. These are all great things, but guess what? The Lord's got so much more for you. What if we took seriously the call to engage in the cause of the kingdom? What if every one of us found out the greater thing, the supernatural energy that God had put inside you to do healing work in the world? Wouldn't it be amazing to exercise our courage and our faith and step out in the power of the Spirit? Well, Theodore Roosevelt thought it would. Look what he said. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself or herself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat." Will you join Jesus in the arena? Will you get on the playing field? Will you find your spiritual gift and try to activate it for the kingdom? I hope so. If you do, you've started to find your way, right? The way that, that Jesus has created you to do the good works he prepared in advance for you to do. All of us together. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just asked you before during that song to come. I pray right now, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit and that your Spirit would be speaking to your people about the gifts that you've given them. And that, Lord God, you would help us to have the courage and the faith and the trust to step into these gifts and to carry out your work, the work you've given us uniquely to do in this place in this time. Your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand to sing?